Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. All right, Philippians chapter 2. Just going to read a passage of Scripture uh, right here in Philippians chapter 2. Today's message is uh, going to be one that is not for the the faint of heart. So everybody got your steel toe shoes on because we're going to step on some toes. Everybody ready? Everybody said, well, no, not now that you say that. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, let's just read this. I love how Paul starts it off, so encouraging. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? And are your hearts tender and compassionate? So he's basically saying, aren't you just so, isn't it just so awesome to be a Christian? Isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't the fellowship of the Holy Spirit just amazing? It, hasn't God done so much for you? And it's like, just kind of starts to warm your heart, heart up. You're like, you know what, you're right. This, my life really is pretty awesome. Things are going pretty good. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. And then verse 3, don't be selfish. Thanks, Paul. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress, don't, don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, I want us to, as I read this, just try to contemplate what Jesus actually did and what this is, what this is, is bringing out. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something that he needed to cling to. Instead, he gave up, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in the heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I want to talk, talk to you around this phrase, elevated by him. Elevated by him. How many guys would be okay if you were elevated by God? Elevated, elevated by him. We'll, we'll, we're going to talk about that uh, for, for the next few minutes. Um, how many guys in here, and, and tell the truth, because I really would like to know who these people are, you have a pretty immaculately clean, organized garage. Nobody? I have nobody to look up to? Can, can I just be honest? It is a dream of mine to have one of those garages that's just always clean and perfectly organized. Anybody else? And, then, and you go on these little kicks, and you're like, you know what? This is it. We're, I'm going to clean this garage one more time, and then we're not going to dirty it up again. Kids, when you get something out, you're going to put it back where you found it. And when we get home from a late-night trip, we're not going to set a few things here and there and say, we'll get to them in the morning. Anybody else ever done that? And then several mornings and decades later, it's still there. I, I do this all the time, and it's such a pet peeve of mine because I, I want it nice. I, I, I built me a little workbench area in my, in my uh, garage and got it all nice at one point. And then there's been several different seasons where I'm like, all right, I, if I just had more cabinets and I had a few extra hooks, and I, then if I get it the way I want, this is going to be nice. And I, even one time, uh, we had a guest speaker coming into town, and my garage was, it was not 
godly at the time. And, and right before he came into town, I was like, I knew I was going to have to bring him in through the garage into my, into my kitchen. So I was like, Saturday, I mean, I had that garage looking like Tim the Toolman Taylor. I mean, like, and he, I felt so bad because he walked in my garage and he goes, man, your, your garage just makes me feel like a terrible person. And I was like, well, some of us got it, some of us don't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But it's, it drives me, it drives me bonkers because we'll get, I'll get it cleaned up, I'll get it, I'm like, that's it, no more. My youngest daughter's got a little slime cart and a slime station. Anybody else having to deal with that right now in your life is, is awful. And so it's like her slime's everywhere, you got slime. I'm like, no, we're, you're going to have a little cart, it's going to stay here, I got it all organized. And then sure enough, it just kind of started slipping away, slipping away. Then Christmas comes, and you get all the boxes out of the attic with all the Christmas stuff. And it's like, well, are we going to get all the boxes down, get all the Christmas stuff out, and then put the boxes all the way back up in the attic? So no, what's going on right now? It looks like 20 refugees are living in my garage. It's like, it just, it's, it's just, it's brutal. I, I hate it. And, and I, what I hate the most about it is it can be so good, and the intentions can be so good to keep it a certain way, and then just little by little. You ever notice that? It doesn't just all of a sudden one day everything's just in array. It's like, it's kind of little by little. It's like you decide to set this one thing here, I'll come back get it, and then this one thing, and then little by little, it just starts to kind of slip away. And it's, it's funny how that happens in, in other areas of our lives. Uh, finances. You say, you know what? We got to get our budget under control. We got to get some things under control. We got too much credit card debt. We're fixing to get rid of the credit card debt. We're going to get a budget. We're, gonna have a, we're not going to spend more than this, and we get it under, and you're all happy about it. Your credit card's paid off. Everything's paid down. You're happy with where you're at. And then one day you're looking, you're like, how did we get back here? How, how did we get back in this particular situation? I do this, I've done the same thing with my, uh, with my weight. Um, don't, don't laugh. <laughs> this, is a, 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 this is a place of hope and acceptance. And, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous because I am the worst at kind of going up and down at some of this stuff. But it's like, you know what? It's time to get it under control several months back. Uh, back to about a little over a year now, I was like, you know what? There was a number on the scale, and I, was, and I got real close to it. I mean, I was like scratching it. I mean, and I was like, I am not going there. And do you, you want to know what the number is? I'm not telling you. Don't, don't worry about me. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm not going there. And so I go on this little kick, and I mean, I was all in it. I mean, I lost like 20-something pounds. I was lighter than I'd ever been since college. I was even lighter than I was in college. So I was all proud. I was like, oh, yeah, things are rocking and rolling. And then you kind of just start getting slack. Mama starts buying zebra cakes for the girls' lunches. <laughs> Come on, somebody, zebra cakes. Just tell the truth. I'd rather have zebra cakes be fat. Than, you know, you know. But and I saw what happens is, is so I got down to this number, and then like you start watching, and I, that's what you're taught. You watch it every day, and it won't change. So you wait, I've been weighing every day, weighing every day, and it goes up one pound. You kind of get it back under control, and then after a while, what happens? We all know. You just kind of get a little slack. One zebra cake turns into two. Two turns into a dozen. <laughs> and then you, it gets back up to this, this number, and you're like, how, what just happened to my life? I worked so hard to get it there. And this is, this is terrible. This is not good advice. So don't follow anything I'm about to say, because this is bad, bad leadership. Uh, but uh, uh, several months ago, I had kind of gotten back to this number, and it seemed as though, like, no matter what I ate, it was that number. I could eat a little less, same number. Eat a little more, same number. And I wasn't happy with it. I wasn't happy the way, with the way that I looked. I told Leanne this one time. I was like, here's when I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to go on a diet when I hit this number right here. And I went past the number. I was like, okay, five more pounds. When I get five more pounds, I'm going to go on a diet. 
And then I changed it, and I said, okay, if I ever look in the mirror and, th- and physically throw up, then I'll get it. <laughs> That's when I'm going to start. You know? but, I, but I'd gotten into this point. I got to this point where I was like, I was like, you know, it ain't the greatest. This where I'm at's not the greatest. I'm not the happiest. But what's buying some looser clothes? You know, just buy a little looser clothes, and, and it, plus it seems as though my body, my, it's just I'm meant to weigh this much. And so it's like I, I can live with this number. And then about like three weeks later, just kind of for some random reason, I was like, I, I wonder if I'm still there. And I got on the scale. I was not that number anymore. And apparently my body was rejecting my theory that I could stay there the rest of my life. Now we have a home gym going into my garage right now because it's got to get some things in order. But it's that, it's, that, it's that thing where things begin to just slip. We didn't want it to happen. It, we didn't, we're not looking for it to happen. We don't want our garage to be dirty. We didn't want to get back in credit card debt. We didn't want to find ourselves back at this weight that we worked so hard to get off. And that, that's not what we were looking to move towards. We just somehow ended up there. Anybody else have a situation in your life where sometimes you're like, how? I'm not really sure how I ended up here, but I'm definitely there. It's interesting how that happens in our spiritual life as well. That same thing happens in our spiritual life. You can be, whether it's in your prayer life, and the Lord's dealing with you about prayer, and it's like, oh, you know what, I really need to get back in communion with God. I need to spend more time in prayer. And you go on a kick, things get better. You love it. You love the time you spend in prayer. You love the growth that you feel. You love the presence of, it's not that you don't love the results of it. You just look up one day, and you're like, man, I, actually, I don't think I've been praying actually in a while. Or reading your Bible. It's like, I'm not even sure if I know where my Bible's at right now. It's like, has it been, has it been so long that something slipped away? Or, or, or even just church attendance, and it's not, a, it's not a, a big deal about making people feel guilty for not coming to church, but holidays seem to do this, summer seems to do this, life gets busy, things get busy, you, you, get it, you got this party and this, and, and the weekend comes and it's church time, you're like, oh, I, just, I, I just need a break, and, and sometimes you should take a break, that's awesome, but then you notice one break turns into back-to-back breaks, turns into the summer, and then it's like kids have this, and then we're going here, and then you look up, and even your spiritual disciplines, they're just all out of whack. All out of whack, didn't mean to, wasn't like you stopped loving God. It wasn't like you stopped having a desire for the things of God. You just look up one day and you're like, I'm not really, really sure how, how we just got here. I think that's something that Paul's trying to address here with this, this church in Philippi, these, these believers. He's writing this letter to these believers. And what I love is the fact is that he acknowledges that these people have a relationship with God. He says, it, 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 it doesn't it bring you such encouragement to know that you belong to Christ? Yeah, I, it does bring me some encouragement. Doesn't it comfort you? Doesn't his love comfort you? So these are, these are people that are, belong to Christ. They're Christians. They're walking in his love. And he goes on to say, isn't the fellowship of the Holy Spirit amazing? These are people that are walking with the Holy Spirit. So you got spirit-filled, Jesus-loving Christians. And it's like you'd say, well, would you ever have to tell spirit-filled, following the Holy Spirit, Jesus-loving Christians, don't be selfish? Is it possible that in the middle of all of all of your enjoying how good God is, that even in that, some things about what your focus should be just begin to slip. Is it possible? It, it apparently was possible for this church here at Philippi. And, and I want to talk around this, and I, this, again, this is not a, I told Leanne, I was like, man, I feel like I'm supposed to talk about this, but I don't really know how to make this really uplifting and, and positive, because this can be a pretty, pretty heavy thing, but I really do. I want to talk about, I want to talk about selfishness. Because I, I, I know this. Nobody in this room sets out to be a selfish person. 
No one wants to be described by other people as a selfish person. Every one of us in here know that a selfish person is unbecoming, someone who's just all about themselves. We, we, we're not going for that. But what I've learned, especially in the, and, I'm, and I'll get very specific, in the city of Midland, Texas, in the city of Midland, Texas, there's some uniqueness about our culture, about our economics. There's, there, there, there's some things that are unique to our environment, Americans living in this part of the country at this season in life, that it's really, really easy to look up one day, love Jesus, love spending time with him, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, all of those things, and yet every single thing in your life points back to what you're doing for you. Didn't mean to make it happen. Wasn't trying to make it happen. But you look up and every decision's about you about what's gonna happen at your job, about how you can make more money, about how you can get a better car, about how you can get a, 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 a this or a that. Or, I noticed this even with my kids. I, I, I didn't grow up having a lot of money and, and things like that, and so I, I want my kids to have more than I did, and so you look, you're like, you're, you're so excited that you can do more for your kids, and after years and years and years of just continuing trying to bless your kids, you look up one day and your kids, it, it's Christmas time, and this happened to us the other day, it's Christmas time, and uh, they're like, we hear them talking, they're like, are you making your Christmas list? Yeah, I'm making my Christmas list. Like, I've got 24 things on my list. I'm like, did y'all get adopted by a new family or? <laughs> well, I got, I got this many things on my list. And it's like, all of a sudden, just in the small little thing of kids making Christmas lists, you realize they're fixing to spend the next 20 days, 25 days, thinking about themselves. And then you have to ask an even harder question. Who are they following? I'm saying it a different way. Who they daddy? <laughs> and I, if I'm just being honest with you, Lee and I were talking about this on the way home from Thanksgiving. We, were, we just had some different situations, bumped into some, some old friends and just people that have, a, they're great people, amazing people, but they don't really go to church. They're not really necessarily serving God. I'm not saying they're not Christians. They're not really serving God. They're, they're, they're retired. They're beyond the point where they have a job and are providing for somebody else. They pretty much just live for them. They live, they live, they enjoy their retirement, they, they get whatever they want, they buy whatever they want, and then these people that used to be so, they're just so compassionate and kind and, and, and thoughtful to other people, they were just a little less compassionate and a little less thoughtful and a little less kind, and I, it just, it began to dawn on us, it's like, man, this is the results of, this is the fruit of living for you, living every single day, just, just thinking about you. Midland, Texas is one of the most robust economies in the world, we have so much in this, in, this, in this city and as families, we, we have so much. And sometimes it, we just, we have so much, but we want so much more. And there's nothing wrong with wanting things, but I just, I just wonder if, if we're missing out on this, this, this principle that Jesus demonstrated so well. Now, I love how it says right here, it says, he says, don't be selfish, be humble, thinking of others, don't look out for your own interest, take interest. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus did. In other words, if he's saying don't be selfish and don't just look out for your own interests, but literally start looking out for the interests of other people, considering other people higher than yourself have the same attitude Christ did, he's saying Christ didn't have any of that in him. There was no selfishness in him. He was not considering his own interests. In fact, this is the nature of what Jesus did. Jesus went as low as someone could go so that we could go as high as someone could go. He lowered him, he even, and I love this part here, it says, he gave up, he gave up his divine privileges. Did Jesus deserve divine privileges? Yes, he did. 
Was he worthy of divine privileges? Yes, he was. Had he earned divine privileges? Yes, he had. But what did he do? He gave it. He gave it up. And he went low so that other people could go high. He was was brought low so that every one of us in this room, that we could be elevated. This is the nature of Jesus. He even said, I I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to this earth to be served. I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I did not come to be served. What did he come to do? Came to serve. I just, I think if we're not careful that in this American culture, even in this oil and gas industry in Midland, Texas that we live in, and I'm, I'm so thankful for what we have, and I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm treading as lightly as I can possibly tread here with, and still get the point across, but it's imperative that if we are going to represent Christ, represent Christ, there can be no selfish ambition in us. Oh, come on, pastor. There's got to be a little bit of that in there. The scripture says, let there be no selfish ambition in you. There's this lie that the enemy feeds us, that if you don't look out for you, no one else will. If you don't look out for your interests, who's going to? And I love the rest of this scripture because it tells, the, it tells the full story about Jesus. It says he humbled himself. He gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position as a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He died of criminals with this. And what happened in verse 9? Therefore, what happened? God elevated him. It's this principle. If we'll take ourselves low, he will take ourselves up. We don't have to look out for number one. We don't have to look up for number one. Our job is to look out for number two and three and four and five and this person that doesn't have as much as we do and our children and our wives and our families and other people. In the, our job is to look out for everybody other than number one and let him take care of number one. But if we're, if we're busy taking care of number one, it's almost like the Lord says, oh, you got you? Okay, I'll leave it alone. The second we decide, you know what, I'm not going to look out for number one. That's, 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 not what I'm, that's not what I'm about. It's almost like he's like, oh, you're not going to do it? Okay, great, I'll do that. Question, who would you rather have looking out for number one, you or him? <laughs> I, feel like I, I wish I had a good joke right now because I feel like Lavina is bringing up just a little bit. I, I, I only have two minutes left, so that's good news. You can deal with this for two more minutes. So uh, I, I just, I really have two points here. Two points, and, I, and these are two ways that I've learned, I see in Scripture, that we keep selfishness in check in our heart. There's two things you can do to keep selfishness in check in your heart. Number one, make giving a part of your everyday life. Make giving a part of your everyday life. I think it's easier to even in times like the holidays to think about it. But it needs to be a part of your everyday life. Giving. There's this principle in Scripture called tithing, where the Scripture says we're supposed to bring 10% of everything that we make and give it back to the storehouse. And I won't even... I won't even touch that right now. Whatever you think the storehouse is, that'll be between you and the Lord. It says bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there's food in his house. 10% of everything. 
Did you know that the principle of tithing, and, and the tithe is not the last 10%, it's the first 10%. You know what happens when you, when you, when you obey the word there and, and give the first 10%? It's a spiritual principle that, that it begins to just break selfishness off of your life. When you, every single time you get paid, the first thing you think about is something other than you, you're breaking selfishness off of your life. If that's not a practice of yours, you're literally taking a, a, something God created to help you get rid of this nasty, ugly flesh, selfish flesh that you were born with. We all know we were born with it, right? You, you, never, you, you don't hear kids arguing over, that's yours. No, it's yours. No, you take it. Let me have the smaller one. <laughs> Arguments that never happen in the homes. You know. What is it? Mine. 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 Mine, mine. It's, it's, the, it's this nasty flesh nature that we're born. We're born selfish. But he says, here, you know what? I'm going I'm to introduce this thing that will break that off of your life. Call tithing. First, think about somebody else. Why does he say tithe? Go back and look at it in Malachi. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse. So what? So that there's food in my house. Who's the food for? Other people. What's it for? It's to feed other people. So your tithe is created to feed other people. It's for you to say, you know what? I know I could feed me with this, but I'm going to feed somebody else with this. It breaks that thing off of your life. Serving. Just serving. We have an... Our church, I, I tell you what, we have an incredible church. Our church serves. It's really incredible what we have. Even in our, most children's ministries have so many problems finding people that, that, that will serve and be faithful. We have an incredible, incredible children's ministry full of people that want to be there, that are serving, that are downstairs right now with your kids, not babysitting, but ministering to them, loving them, praying with them, praying for you, with your kids, teaching your kids the Bible. It's, it's, it's incredible what we have. Serving's not just to get a job done. Can I just say that? This idea of serving is not, not just to get your kids taken care of. It's to remove selfishness from our heart. Often it's like, well, I'll, I'll serve if you need help. Not the, not the reason to serve. I'll serve because my Lord Jesus was the servant of all. And I want to be like him. So you, Am I serving just because there's a need? Am I serving just because we're in dire straits? And if somebody doesn't serve, there's going to be nobody to take care of diapers in the nursery. No, we do need that taken care of. <laughs> not, not my point. But no, why, why should we serve? Why should we have an attitude to serve? Because that's the, that's the DNA. That's the character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we serve, we are becoming more and more like him. I love today. I, it just things like this just warm my heart. Like today's Angel Tree Sunday. We've got a tree out there. I don't even know if there's even any angels left on it. It was unbelievable watching people. I found out that there were people that literally changed the service that they originally attend to come to the first service because they heard we might be out of angels by the second service. Come on, that's what it's supposed to be about. There, there shouldn't be one angel left on that tree at the end of the day. There shouldn't be one angel left on that tree by the end of this service. What's amazing is we found out, and Cody will talk more about it here later, we've, here in a minute, we found that there's another organization in town that's doing something similar, and some 211 kids that were supposed to get gifts that people had sponsored, their sponsors didn't show up. And there's 211 kids in our city that didn't get what their sponsors said they were gonna bring. Guess what? We're gonna fix that. 
We're going to fix that. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do something about that. Number two, number one, you got to make giving a part of your everyday life. This is, this seems so small. Did you know that you can consider someone else? You can give someone your place in line at a red light. Oh, now hang on, time out. There's, let me, let me, let me, let me help the city of Midland. There is one time that you should not think of somebody else. You know, when there's two lanes and there's a sign that says right lane is ending and everyone knows they're supposed to get in the left lane. And then there's that guy that realizes that if he drives way up ahead of everybody, someone will let him in. I will rear in someone. And if you are that guy, ushers, get them out. Raise your hands right now. Out of this, out. No. But I'm, I'm serious. I, it, it could be something as simple as you're at a stoplight and you see somebody coming out of academy and you realize there's traffic there. You ain't getting out anytime soon. Just stop and say, hey, go. God forbid you not give someone the five seconds you gained by not letting them. It's the littlest of things. It's the smallest of things. But where can I give something? Remember, he gave up what he had earned, what he deserved. It was his divine privilege. He gave up something that he rightfully owned. It, you could have the right away and give it up to someone else. And the world would still, still turn. It's just an attitude, little things. Last one. Trying to wrap it up here. Um, it's so simple, but man, that, even I caught myself in my life like, dang, I got to work on this. Just live a life obedient to his word. This will break selfishness off of you. Notice what it said of Jesus. Verse 8. He humbled himself. How? In obedience to God. Just simply obeying God is humbling yourself. Obeying God is it's saying, I, I'm going to give you your way instead of me get my way. If you say to do this, and I feel like doing this, I'm gonna do what you say instead of what I feel. If this is how you think, but this is how I think, I'm gonna give up how I think, and I'm gonna do what you think. No, emo let me just say this. No emotion has to be involved to obey the word of God. Can we just put that on Broadway right now? You don't have to feel, and most of the time, you won't feel like doing what his word says especially in the area that you need to do it the most. You won't feel like it. That's the point. You don't, you, your feelings, your soul is not yet aligned to his. The way you think has not yet aligned to the way he thinks. The way you feel has not yet aligned to the way he feels. And the, the way you make decisions is not yet aligned to the way he makes decisions. But what happens is when you humble yourself and simply just do the word of God, do the word of God. Your soul starts to become conditioned to the way he thinks, to the way he feels, and the way he decides on things. James put it this way. But be doers of the word, not hearers only. And what happens if you're a doer, or you're a hearer, but not a doer? You are deceiving yourself. God, this is a big one for so many people that are called to leadership. You hear a lot of word, and you do a little word and you are deceived at where you're at. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, he goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and does what? Continues in it. Does the word. And it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one, this one, this guy, this doer of the word will be blessed in what he does. The, and don't get this twisted. This is not anti-grace teaching. It's all, Pastor, you're, you're a grace preacher. Now all of a sudden you're preaching about works. Let me, let me remind you of a message spoken by grace himself. Jesus himself. When he finds a woman caught in adultery, in sin, and, the, and, the, and, and they, they try to trap him to, to see what they need, how they need to handle this situation. And he defends this woman in public. He comes to her aid. And after everyone had gone away, he, he says, woman, where are your accusers? She said, well, they're gone. And he said, neither do I accuse her. In other words, here's what happened. Grace rushed in and saved her. Grace rushed in and saved her and got away all the accusation and the shame. And he, he got all that out of the way. And he says, where are your accusers? Nowhere. Neither do I. But he didn't stop talking. He said, now, stop doing this. Don't do this. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't do it. Whatever it is you're doing, stop it. Grace himself said this to this woman. Jesus himself said this to this woman. Why? Because this sin was killing her. This sin was leading her into a life of bondage that she was not created for. And he, he, he wanted her to live the life that he had called her to live. I want to think like Jesus. I want to feel like Jesus. I want to decide like Jesus. But until I say, you know what? I'm going to do what the Word says over and over and over and over again. Even when I don't feel like it, when I do feel I'm going to do the Word. I'm conditioning my soul to respond like Him. Now, here's what's cool about that. What, when, when, when I condition myself to think and to, and, to, and to feel and to decide like He thinks, feels, and decides, you know what He's thinking about the most, what He feels the most, what He's wanting to do the most? Serve people. He's wanting to serve people. So as my, as my heart gets conditioned to his way of thinking, his way of feeling, his way of doing, one day by just obeying the word because I made a discipline, I'm gonna do what he says, I find myself serving people more than I'm serving myself because now I think like he thinks, not like I think. Now I feel the way he feels, not just the way I used to feel. And you, you don't have to tell yourself, oh gosh, it's Christmas time, got a tree, and the, I got, better go get one of them angels. Pastor said he was, better have all them angels off that tree. You'll, you'll, before I even preach this message, there were people that have been doing this and they were calling saying, I'm coming early, I'm not leaving without an angel. What happened? Something had changed in their heart. They weren't responding based on what they were told to do. They were responding to something that's changed on the inside of them. And when you decide, I'm gonna be a doer of the word, I'm gonna make giving a part of my everyday life, you start breaking self and self-focus and selfishness off of your life and you start thinking the way he thinks. Willing to give up your privileges, give up what's rightfully yours and go low if it brings somebody else high. I just, I want this so bad. I, I, I told him, I was like, I, there's things we're doing in our family. I mean, just little things like, you know what? Christmas list in the trash. Christmas is canceled. No, no I'm just kidding. You know, but little things, don't overcorrect and overadjust. Say, hey, uh, write down three things. You make a Christmas list, ain't nothing wrong with no Christmas. Write down three. 
But if you get more than that, you should be grateful. That's kind of the nature of the thing. You make a list of 21 things, you get 20, you're, oh, I didn't get 21 things. What's, what, what are we looking for? Just don't think of yourself so much. We've got, we're planning things even in our own family. Of, hey, you know what? Let's not, and I'm guilty of some of this. I'm real guilty of a lot of this because I, I, I love business. I love making money. I love doing I love it. But everything ain't got to be about making money. Riley came by the other day and said, hey, would you scratch my back for a second? How much are you going to pay me? I'm going to pay you another room to sleep in tonight. You know, it's like, what's the point? Let's just ask the Lord, what are some things that we can, one that I can do, let's start there. What are some things that I can do to get some of this out of me? And there are some adjustments that need to be made in my family. Are there some adjustments that need to be made in my business? Are there some things about how you're handling your business? And so, so does, does your business, this will blow some of your mind, does your business even have a situation where you make sure that your business gives out to other, other nonprofits, not just for the tax write-off, not so it benefits you, but because you have so much and God's blessed you with so much. Just some ideas, just some thoughts. Again, why? We want to re-present Him. If He is not selfish, if He does not look out for His own interests, then I want to show people what He looks like. And I don't want to be selfish. And I don't want to look out for my own interests. I want to be willing to give up something that's rightfully mine and go low so that somebody else can go high. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.